Hello everyone, I'm Cecilia Tayeb and this is The Impulse, the Cooper Tribes podcast. What if we could merge the real and the digital world and live somewhere in between? What if we could feel real emotions in a virtual backdrop? A new era has come and it's full of unique experiences within the virtual world. It's what we call the metaverse, a mix of the real and the digital that many brands are exploring to stay on trend. From ancient Greek, meta means beyond, so we could say that this metaverse goes beyond the universe we all know. As an unconventional and digital native brand, Cupra is boldly moving into the metaverse with the launch of the Meta Hype. It's a collaborative virtual space where brands, startups, and content creators can host a wide variety of events and experiences for individuals to create and share culture. We couldn't pass up the opportunity to interview the so-called godmother of the metaverse to know more about this 3D network. So let me welcome Kathy Hackle. I'm so pleased to have you here at the Impulse Podcast. Kathy, welcome. Excited to be here. Good. So, Kathy, you're globally recognized as the chief metaverse officer, tech futurist, and web 3.0 strategist. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, just thrilled to be here. So let's start with a little context uh, for our listeners who might be wondering what this whole metaverse thing is about. And later we'll deep dive a bit more in the implications and the transcendence, right? So how would you describe the concept of the metaverse for a very layman person? Well, I would say it's very early on in the metaverse journey, right? So um, the metaverse as the greater vision is not here yet. We are building towards it right now when we have our metaverse platforms uh, or metaverse is lowercase m. Um, but yeah, it's people, I think people hear the word metaverse, they have a lot of feelings about it or might think it's only one technology or one company. It's not, right? The metaverse really, if you wrap your head around it, it's about virtual shared experiences that happen both in virtual spaces but will also happen in the physical world. And it is the successor state to today's mobile internet. Uh, it is enabled by many different technologies like AR, VR, our phones, our computers, 5G, 6G, you know, blockchain, NFTs, so many different technologies enable the metaverse, right? So for people maybe get away from the word and because there's a little bit of a hype there, right? Um, I think thinking about it as the future of the internet, the successor state of how we will experience the internet, uh, I think it's the easiest way to wrap your head around it. Uh, that's I, I think that's very fair. And what are the challenges and opportunities that are coming with this metaverse? I think that there's a lot of amazing opportunities, and what you guys have already done with MetaHype, um, I think is a great you know a, a great place to start uh, to engage community and allow community to be in these virtual spaces. Um, so it's a huge opportunity to build the future. That's one of the reasons that me as a woman in tech, I want more women in tech or more minority folks to feel welcome building this future. This future is for everyone. Uh, from a challenges perspective, I mean, I think there's a lot that we need to talk about before we get to uh, destination metaverse, what I call that. Um, you know, I think privacy, data, I mean, there's a lot of different things we're going to have to talk about. Civility, keeping people safe. Um, yeah, so there will be, you know, it's a massive opportunity for a lot of us, for, for creators in general, to share in the value of their creations, um, but also some challenges when it comes to, you know, realizing 
what is the impact that this will have on society and and how do we keep people safe? Well, exactly. And you talked about the meta hype, right? Which is uh, our own space within the metaverse, if I can say. In what ways do you think the metaverse will change how people interact with brands and with companies in general? Yeah, I mean, it's evolving, it's changing, right? Um, this is what I tell people. Like, at some point, you, when you had a brand, there's a brand or you're interested in a product, you would go to a website, right? So, .com. Uh, eventually, you ended up going to their social media channels to communicate with that brand. What is the next phase? Like, you're probably going to go to that brand's virtual world or virtual presence is at a virtual world. Um, so it'll be an evolution on how we engage with brands. I also think that there is a certain level here of the future of fandom, right? Of the brands that we love, that we engage with, that we truly want to be a part of, right? So it is about the future of fandom and how we engage with that brand. Um, I always use an example uh, that is kind of silly, right? But I think everyone can relate to is like when my kids were little, they loved Elmo. Uh, and they wanted to engage with Elmo in many different form factors. They didn't want just the Elmo toy. They wanted the Elmo in the backpack and the sippy cup and the fork, right? Every Everything Elmo. Because it's true. When you love something, when you love a brand, you want to engage with that brand in many different form factors, right? And that is going to extend into those virtual spaces and into augmented reality and in many different ways. So um, I think it's going to change the way people engage with brands And if it's a brand that they love, it's going to make them even bigger fans. And so you talked about the people now, but what about the brands? What can the brands take from it? Yeah. Well, I think it's understanding that there's new customer journeys being created and new touch points, right? So just like they've been spending, you know, a lot of time on social media because that was, you know, about customer journeys and brand awareness, they're going to have to spend time investing in the future of the internet and where new customers are going to be, you know, spending time. Uh, you already have, you know, a, a large majority of Gen Z spending time inside gaming experiences. Um, so, you know, those sorts of things. And I think that the big thing here is for everyone really and brands to understand that just because it happens in a virtual space doesn't make it less real. And this is what I mean by that. So my first concert, and most of the people listening to this, their first concert was probably in a stadium. Like they went physically somewhere to see someone in physical form. For my son, who is 10 years old, um, it was about a year and a half ago. Uh, he, his first concert, if you ask him, was Little Nas X in Roblox, right? He speaks about this from a first person. He says, I was there with Nas. I saw Nas. I was at the concert. And so if you ask him, what was your first concert? He'll say it was Lil Nas X and Roblox. These are real memories, real moments that are being created. So when he hangs out with his friends in Roblox, it's like, you know, it's, it doesn't replace hanging out in person, but it is time that he spent with his friends. He doesn't see it as a separate thing because it happens in a virtual space. And uniquely, you know, I mean, I mean to me, it feels like it's equally as emotional, right? It doesn't mean that it's on the metaverse, that it's not emotional. Yeah, there is an emotion tied to it, right? Uh, and a, at the end of the day, we're human and we want to connect. And whether we connect in person or in virtual spaces, it's about creating those connections, right? And, and, and being human. So I agree. Mm -hmm. So MetaHype is all about collaboration, a place where brands from different worlds, as you said, such as Primavera Sound or Ubit can come together to inspire the new generation. So in this sense, how do you think the metaverse can catapult business and social culture? How do you think it can change it and make it even bigger? Yeah, I think it's what we're moving towards is that further future where brands, 
this is what I see. The evolution that I'm seeing is brands start to become a bigger part of the community, right? So you cannot be successful in Metaverse and Web3 if you don't have a community and you don't build that community up and you don't become an active participant, right? So the days of communicating from the top the way down, like those are gone. You're communicating now as an equal partner of the community, right? So I think that that is what a lot of these spaces allow us to do, right? And that's, I think, the big shift that's happening is that brands are understanding, like, they cannot move forward without their community. They have to be authentic. They have to be real, right? Um, so, so yeah, I think that that is the massive change. And, and for brands understanding, like, beyond their website, beyond their Twitter handles, uh, beyond, beyond their social media handles, where are newer generations going to engage with that brand and communicate with that brand, right? So, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting because for me, like, brands move away from being just something that you see, you know, on Insta- like a picture on Instagram or a Twitter, you know, a, a profile picture on Twitter. They move into being living, breathing beings of sorts, <laughs> Right. In in virtual worlds that create virtual worlds that have a clear personality and a voice. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in branding about brand voice. We're about to take it to the next level because there might be virtual influencers that represent the brand that have a voice. So you're going to have to make a lot of choices from a brand perspective. I mean, definitely. And I think that, you know, what was interesting with Cooper, at least, is from the beginning, we wanted to create a tribe. And to us, when we really saw the opportunity of the metaverse to build it even bigger, um, that's where we said, well, you know, given who we are, we definitely need to be there. You know, we have a big tribe following us and it can only get bigger and bigger. So if we think about, you know, we're hearing a lot about NFTs and I'm here thinking about our listeners. Can you explain a little bit what an NFT is actually, what is it, what it represents and what is the role they play between people and the brands. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll explain what non-fungible is. Let's yeah. start there and then we'll okay. get into the token part of it. <laughs> right. So something that is fungible. So if, if you're in Barcelona and you have a dollar and I'm in Washington, D.C. and I have a dollar and we exchange that dollar, that is worth the same no matter where you are. Right. Right. So that is fungible. That is something that is interchangeable. Right. Something that is non-fungible cannot be exchanged one-to-one. It is not interchangeable. Right. So let's say that you have a Lionel Messi trading card and I have a Lionel Messi, you know, trading card, they might be different years. They might be in different conditions. It's not one-to-one, right? I can't just give you my card and you give me yours because, you know, yours might be more valuable. I mean, right. So it's not one-to-one. So that's when I, when someone says non-fungible, it means it is not one-to-one. It is not interchangeable. So when someone says non-fungible tokens, these are one-to-one contracts, smart contracts that live on the blockchain. Um, so in essence, it could be any asset. It could be an image. It could be video. It could be audio. Um, but the, what makes it special is that there is a smart contract that is on the blockchain that is behind it, right? So the important part is the, let's say, computer program that you're paying for that is behind this asset that proves that you own it, that this is in your wallet, and that you're able to use this. Right. So it's about tokenizing an asset. It's taking collectibles in some ways to the next level. Um, you know, right now, I would say, uh, you know, fashion and art uh, are really leading the way when it comes to, um, you know, to pushing the limits of Web3 technologies. So it's, it's really exciting to see. So what does this mean? Right. What does this mean for brands? I'll go back to the future of fandom. Right. It is about these, you know, these tribes and these fans being able in some ways to co-own 
Uh, a, a part of the brand, not the whole brand, but a part of it, an initiative maybe, being able to co-create with that brand. Right. So that changes once again, that relationship that we have with the brand from being a brand that maybe we were looking we were looking from the bottom up to a brand that we're actually starting to engage with on a one, you know, on a, on a more community level. Um, so yeah, it, it is, a, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's an exciting time, I think for, for brands an exciting time for people that love the brands it, to be able to kind of co-own, co-create. I mean, I don't know. There's so much collaboration that can be done. I mean, definitely. And, and, you know, it's good for my next question. So what's the next step in the evolution of this era, right? Because again, it's going really fast and um and it's unstoppable so further melding of the physical and the digital worlds other uses beyond leisure as you said you know you're talking about art you were you were talking about you know fashion but so what's next yeah i think what's next is really a, a the broad idea of of you know affecting change like right the, the tribes and the fans are going to be able to kind of boat, you know, boat on things that the brand might do, right? It's something that normally that would be something that the C-suite is in charge of doing, but there might be components where people are going to affect change and they're going to have a say, right? In, in something that happens, not, not everything that the brand does, right? But I think that that, that is an exciting thing that a lot of people are, are excited about. I think brands are going to continue to work with more creators beyond the influencer concept. Right? You normally would engage with an influencer for likes and shares and all that stuff. With a creator, you're co-creating, and you're eventually going to share in the value of that creation with the creator. So I think it's going to open up new frontiers of creativity, both for brands and for uh, and for creators. And yeah, I mean, it's it's just an, an interesting time in evolution. What am I looking forward to in the future? Um, I think voice, voice in our in our vehicles and voice in these virtual worlds and and voice, uh, you know, through our glasses is going to be the way we're going to navigate the future in many ways. Uh, right. So I think that that'll be a big part of the future. And then also um, I'm a huge I mean, I've been working in, in volumetric video or holograms, for lack of a better word, but that not really holograms. But I've been working in volumetric video for several years. I'm, I'm one of the few people that can help produce, you know volumetric video. And I think we're going to probably see more of that, more, more holograms, more volumetric video in, in, in a future, you know, not yet realized, but, in, you know, heading towards that. And, and at the beginning, you were talking about the challenges um, and the data privacy, etc. So how should the foundation be laid to contribute to the growth of the metaverse, right? There's a big foundation that needs to be laid. And so what is the infrastructure that is needed and how can we solve those challenges that we're facing today? Yeah, I mean, the infrastructure part of it, I mean, there's lots of really incredibly smart people, right, working towards laying those rails, like the rails for the train. Um, this is how I always say it, like, and, and I, I heard this from someone at Accenture and I kind of took it because I love the analogy, um, was we're on a high-speed train destination metaverse, right? We don't know really when we get there. We don't even know the stops, but everyone's jumping into this high-speed train, right? But the train has to be on rails. There has to be something that the train is going on. And those rails is what we're building right now, right? So I think a lot of great smart people are working on the rails. Um, there are certain challenges. Uh, for example, one of those challenges when it comes to scaling these experiences is the number of people that can be in one of these experiences, right? The number of people in an instance, 
because, you know, it's about social, it's about virtual shared experiences. So I think that, you know, that's a computing power question. That's a, you know, cloud computing issue. That is, uh, you know, there's many different things that, that align with that. So the work being done to increase the number of people that can be concurrently in an instance, I think is very, very powerful. Um, but yeah, it's it, 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 a lot of amazing work is being done right now. And, and yeah, and, you know, and yeah, we're architecting the future. So it's, it's just, a, you know, an exciting time to build once again, you're, you know, and, and people are going to play different roles. Sometimes, you know, the, there's the people that are going to provide the infrastructure, people are going to provide the content, uh, people are going to provide the, you know, the, the, the gateway, the gateways into these worlds, which are, would be the devices. So yeah, there's a lot of different work that's being done right now and in, 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 in being created right now to lead us to that future. So you talk about future and as a tech futurist, <laughs> is the metaverse the future? What is your answer there? Yeah, I think the metaverse is the future. Will we call it the metaverse? That I don't know, right? I mean, my identity is very much tied to the term. Yeah. <laughs> um, but will we call it the metaverse in 10 years? I don't know. Like, just like we don't call the internet, the, you know, the, what is it? The information superhighway. No one uses that. So, um, you know, will we call it metaverse in 10 years? I'm not sure. I do think there is a very big, important future for the future of the internet uh, and a 3D immersive web that is all around us. Um, so yeah, it, it is It is the future, right? That being said, I do have to be very uh, open about this, is that I do think that in order for us to get to that future, we also have to address climate change and understand that we need the physical world to be healthy if we want that virtual world to happen. I think that's very spot on. So, you know, if we think about the future, what it will look like as the metaverse becomes a reality? Yeah, to me personally, the holy grail is really when we converge that the, the virtual lives that we have with our physical lives, right? Um, so I actually wrote an article for Forbes back in, this is like back in 2020, which seems like a million years ago. Um, it's called The Day in the Metaverse, and it kind of walks you through, you know, how potentially I envision, uh, in this case, it's a young woman's life called Katie Wu, a fictional person, of course, uh, in Atlanta. And what does her day look like from beginning, from when she wakes up to when she goes to bed, right? And there's a whole experience there. I urge people to kind of go and read it. Um, but yeah, I mean, she starts off her day. She puts on her glasses. Uh, the glasses uh, help her identify, you know, identify, remind her to take her medicine or uh, identify, help her choose her clothes in a volumetric dressing room that she has. What she, what is she going to wear in the physical form? What is her avatar going to wear? Um, so a lot of different things. How you know she starts shopping for a, a gift for her for her uh, nephew. Uh, she goes into this virtual experience to try to choose the Airbnb she's going to be staying at. So there's a lot of complexity to it. Um, yeah, and it's I think it presents a very different vision of the future that is not utopic, but is not dystopic, right? Because I think a lot of people tend to tend to go to dystopia. <laughs> And think Ready Player One, I'm like, nope, that's not necessarily what we want. We want the graphics, the beautiful graphics they had in Ready Player One. But, you know, do you want to escape reality because it's so bad that you have to go into VR? No, I don't think that's what any of us really want. So. And I do feel people use a lot that movie to describe what the metaverse yeah. is. And, you know, it's, as you say, it's a bit of a distortion. So yeah. for our listeners, the listeners of our podcast, you know, um, you are the godmother of the metaverse, right? And, yeah. and I love that term. But how did you find yourself here? Like, how did you, you know, when you saw this or when you first heard about this, what made you think I need to get into this? Yeah, so I'll tell you the, the, the story on how I got here. Um, 
so, I mean, I, I was in media for a long time, went over to communications. I started working in tech. Um, and then when I was working in tech, I was doing live, live video. So like, you know, beyond before Facebook live and, 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 you know, stuff like that. So I was doing live video and then I went to a conference and got introduced to virtual reality. Um, I put on a headset and I just kind of, at that moment, something clicked in me. I put the VR headset, went into an experience called confinement by the guardian, um, puts you in a solitary confinement cell. After that, it took the headset off. I, you know, I was like, this is the, the future of, of some things, the future of storytelling on some level. And this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, you know, so I, for me, it's like I recognized a rocket when I saw one, um, you know, and I, I went very deeply into virtual reality and augmented reality. So uh, worked with HTC Vive, which does VR devices, um, worked as their VR evangelist during their partnership with Steven Spielberg's adaptation of Ready, Ready Player One. Uh, then went on to work at an agency, so worked with a lot of brands doing augmented reality for them. Um, eventually went to work at Magic Leap, which anyone that's listening here, they create spatial computing glasses. Uh, when I was there, our chief futurist was Neil Stevenson, the person that coined the term metaverse, right? He was a chief futurist. Um, you know, and when I worked there at Magic Leap, um, one of the North Stars for the company was the metaverse. We called it the Magic Verse, right? Because it was a branded thing, but the metaverse. So like when I say I've been talking to executives about the metaverse for years, I really mean it. Like I've got video clips from like what, 2018 or whatever um, <laughs> about the metaverse. Like we didn't have that word that like there, like we used a different term, but um, eventually found my way to Amazon web services, uh, working on some projects, including large scale gaming simulations launched off on my own. So it's been, you know, when I say I've been in metaverse within industries for eight years, like I really do mean that that's a long time in, in metaverse time. Um, so it's not like I just, you know, read an article and became an expert. No, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. Um, and, and, you know, working with brands and executives to solve issues and think about the future. Um, so yeah, it's been really exciting. And in my name, like that, that, name that you mentioned, the godmother of the metaverse, um, that was actually given to me by Andrew Schwartz from Nike's metaverse team. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so it was, it, it was gifted to me and then the community ran with it. So I don't call myself that. It was someone <laughs> that called me that the community liked it. And after a while, I just started using it as a badge of honor. So, and I definitely think it's a, it's a great badge Thank of you. honor. Um, what advice would you give us at Cupra on this new adventure and driving through the meta hype? What are the key success factors do you think for, for a brand like us? Yeah, I think continued engagement with the community, um, in, implementing feedback that the community might have listening to them, right? When, it, when the fans like you, when the fans love you, you know, you want to make sure that they, they feel heard. I mean, you're not going to implement every single change, right? Uh, but, you know, see what, what ways you can make this better, uh, iterating, um, you know, iterating and, and keeping it vibrant and relevant and, and alive. I think that that's really important with, with some of these virtual spaces is making sure that you have content, that you have activities to keep those places alive. Of course. And I see on your back, your book, the book that you just launched. Uh, I've heard a yeah. lot of about it. I'm looking yeah. forward to buying it through Amazon and reading it here in Barcelona and sharing it with my team. So congratulations on the book. Thank um, you. So thank you so much. Uh, for for this chat, I think you know it was a pleasure chatting to you. I think that our listeners will be really, you know, interested in understanding a bit more, and especially from someone like you, right? One of the key people that is uh, working on 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 this huge, huge, uh, huge project. So thank you so much again for spending a few minutes with us, and looking forward to touching base soon. 
Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see everyone in the metaverse. And thank you all for listening to The Impulse. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. You can find us on Spotify and other digital platforms and the Cooper social media channels, of course. Keep being the impulse of the future.